What Eagles tight end is the right play for you in the playoff challenge? Is Julian Ellerin no longer the chalk play in the FFPC postseason contest? And we reveal our suggested FFPC playoff challenge rosters in our special preview episode. Plus, the 2019 FFPC bare knuckle champion Bo Berman drops in to share his tricks of the trade and drafting a team with nothing in front of you at the table, who he likes and doesn't like in his playoff challenge postseason lineups, and much, much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. If you got what it takes, because I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about the health of a couple of banged-up running backs on Wild Card Weekend. We'll give you our playoff challenge lineups, and the reigning FFPC bare-knuckle champion, Bo Berman, is going to join us to talk shop as we preview the 2019-2020 FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge. And Dave, we opened the day with two awesome postseason contests. We are ending the day with only one, as the inaugural Football Guys Playoff Challenge has sold out. If you want to play in a postseason contest, there's only one game in town right now, and that one's starting to fill up, too. That's right, Balky. It's the main FFPC Playoff Challenge, half a million dollar grand prize. It's pretty wild. I think we still have about 1,800 teams left, so it may not sell out. That's been the, the little sales pitch lately, right. and uh, there's a decent chance we don't sell out. There's a slim chance we do, but uh, we'll see what happens. See what happens. $200 to join. Remember, super simple. This is not something you have to manage throughout the uh, playoffs. You uh, set your FFPC lineup, and then you enjoy watching the games. Double points to the Super Bowl, uh, normal FFPC lineup on that. So check that out, myffpc.com, and you'll see the link to join right up there. Hopefully you can pop in and join the longest-running and now most lucrative uh, fantasy football playoff contest on the interwebs, a $500,000 grand prize. Shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have for us in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Dave is at David Gerzak. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where you can reach us. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com is the inbox. Uh, we'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails. Uh, coming up later on in the show, if we have some time for that, which I don't know if we will, our producer mutual friend Rob, best friend and audio engineer Bryce, will get those to us coming up later on. All right, football guys, Roto World and Rob, they're uh, responsible for tonight's rundown. Let's get to it. Uh, according to the Eagles on Twitter, Zach Ertz is officially questionable for the wildcard matchup against the Seahawks coming up on Sunday. Ertz has been banged up over the course of the, the, the last few weeks of the season, and Dallas Goddard has taken full advantage of that, even when uh, Ertz has been active. Uh, they were both full-time players for uh, the last two months, basically because of you know Alshon Jeffrey and everybody else going down in that Eagles uh, wide receiver core. Josh Perkins, yeah, Josh Perkins. 78% of the offensive snaps is what he played in Week 17. He's obviously going to get a lot more action if Ertz is out. He played more snaps in the slot and out wide than a true inline tight end for the season. Dave, my question to you is not necessarily is Josh Perkins a shark play here for the playoff challenge, but if you decide that you are going to go with an Eagles tight end, is it Dallas Goddard for you or is it the mainstay, Zach Ertz? I don't think you can risk playing Ertz. Goddard to me is an easy play there. 
Okay, now you say he's the easy play, and I, I agree. If, if you're playing. But that, that was my next point. So is that somebody something that you would look at when you're building your lineup? Is Eagles tight end a good play for you? Yeah, I don't think it's a necessarily a bad play. I think it's something you want to consider. Uh, he's uh, not on my little team that we have brewing up later. Ooh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's a, good, he's a good option. He didn't make mine either. Spoiler alert. Right. Yeah, for when we will reveal our playoff challenge uh, rosters later on in the show. And, and for everyone who's well aware, Dave and I are not in the playoff challenge because we work for the FFPC, or at least I do. Dave uh, is a little bit higher up on the totem pole there. But we will I reveal it. around mostly. We, yeah, yeah, well, listen, it's, it's all about the financial risk. Um, the, uh, the suggested lineups, we'll get to those uh, coming up later on in the show. Let's keep talking about the Eagles here. And, I, by the way, I totally agree with you on Goddard. If you're going to play an Eagles tight end, um, it should be him. And not only that, and I, I can't believe I forgot to bring this up, high-stakes lowdown season finale uh, came out uh, the day after New Year's. We had Vince Staffolino on, and it was our annual playoff challenge preview on that. And he has uh, several lineups, both the football guys and the FFPC playoff challenge. And we talked about Eagles tight end. He had an interesting take on there. Not going to tell you what it is. Download at rotaviz.com slash podcast. starts tomorrow. He was very bullish on one of the Eagles tight ends. I'm not going to tell you which one it was. Oh, for God's sake. Rotaviz.com slash podcast, Blue Wire Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts as well. Miles Sanders, Dave, says he is a go for the wild card matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. This according to the NFL Network's Mike Garofalo. He had a low-grade, low ankle sprain in Week 17 and did not practice actually until today. However... Eagles did not list him on that final injury report. Boston Scott, who's been uh, quite the darling over the last month of the fantasy football season, 138 total yards, three touchdowns last week alone. And Jordan Howard actually came back last week and played one snap. I think we can safely eliminate Jordan Howard. How much of a um, contrarian play, Dave, is Boston Scott here, given that Zach Ertz is banged up. The Eagles receivers have been banged up all season, and Miles Sanders is not at full health. Uh, I I don't think I could do anything with Boston Scott in any of these playoff contests. I just um, unless, unless I had like fifty teams and I wanted to just throw, throw one in throw there, one, throw one away. Yeah, <laughs> throw one away. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting with with Boston Scott? He well, as we look forward to twenty twenty, I think he's an interesting guy in twenty twenty drafts as well, given how much he's shown as far as the passing game goes for Philly. And this is when Miles Sanders was still healthy. So I, I'm with Dave here. I, mean, I don't think you can throw Boston Scott in a, again unless you, you have several teams and you want – I'm not going to say throw it away, but you definitely uh, would be searching for a home run there, swinging for a home run at an 0-2 count at some sort of off-speed pitch. And it probably won't work out, but it could. Um, when, did, when did Miles Sanders exit the game? Week 17, yeah. or early on. Early. So, yeah. yeah, so that's why Scott got all the touches. And, right. And so I, I think that he goes back to his you know, behind-the-scenes role. I think Sanders but, but is actually just, an interesting play. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. Why well, do you like Sanders? Well, from me, between weeks 12 and 16, actually weeks 12 and 17, even including the week where he left early, he's the second-highest scoring eagle on the team, so just behind only Carson Wentz. So he's outscored Ertz. He's outscored uh, Boston Scott, of course, Dallas Goddard. So unless you, th- you know, and he, unless you think Goddard's going to have another 24-point week like he did week 16, he's going to keep having weeks like that because they might play two games, actually, I think. They're a one and a half point favor or one and a half point dog against yes, Seattle. Correct. But um, I actually I like the Eagles to beat Seattle at home. You do? I do. Because they're a home dog. No, I mean I I uh, they've out they outscored their opponents by more more points than Seattle did on the season. That's generally a good indication of a Super Bowl, you know, for a Super Bowl contender. Right. That's true. Um, so I just don't, I think Seattle's kind of a little bit of a pretender. They're gonna have to fly cross country. Uh, the Eagles are kind of hyped up. Uh, so I, I I think the Eagles get this done. This yeah, yeah, that that home playoff game not to be underrated. Uh, it'd be definitely interesting. I think the key to that game, not that we're going to break down football here, but if the Eagles secondary can keep it together, you know, we had. I'll tell a quick high school story here. Our offense, when I played high school football, one of the best in school history. Our defense, one of the worst in school history. And the thing that we tried to do as a defensive unit every single time was just keep it together. Just keep it together enough. Uh, for as much time as we could just to give our offensive playmakers uh, some chances to make some plays, and we oftentimes won. And I think that's sort of what the Eagles have to do here. Just keep it together. You have that that Ertz-Goddard combo at tight end. You have the Sanders-Scott combo in the backfield. If Ertz plays. If if Ertz plays, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and that that Eagles secondary, it's been their weakness all year, which – 
that will lead me into one of my players that I'm going to have on my team. We'll right. reveal it now. But uh, I do like uh, the total in that game is 45. I definitely like the over in that game for sure. All right, let's uh, move to the other NFC game here, Dave. Uh, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network was actually on uh, Good Morning Football uh, this morning. And he said that the Vi- uh, Vikings plan to cut Dalvin Cook loose in the wild card game against New Orleans. Dalvin Cook, as you remember, did not play in Week 16. He did not play in Week 17. Apparently, is not going to have any restrictions in the wild card game. Alexander Madison has been a full participant in the Vikings' two, first two practices this week, and he's expected to be back as well. Are you concerned at all? Well, I'll tell you, let me frame the question like this. What's more concerning to you, the fact that Dalvin Cook averaged 60 yards a game over the last month of the season or the fact that we haven't seen him play uh, since week 15 and we don't know what kind of shape he's in? And I'll add a third caveat, six-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at the Superdome. I think they're actually like eight or nine. Is it really? Yeah. I'm going to look it up right now. I just had it. Oh, you're right, eight points. They're eight-point dogs. Eight-point dogs. It is a high-scoring game, 49-and-a-half. But it's not likely with game script that they'll be playing with the lead. So I'm concerned about uh, how many how many rushes will Delvin Cook have? And they're what are they? What are they? What are they? Like plus three thirty four, yeah. you know, to, to win the game outright. So it's highly unlikely he plays two games. Having said that, I mean running backs are a little bit sparse in this playoff challenge, and he you know he could have one of those games where he gets a twenty five point game and gets bounced, and actually that could be a huge difference for teams that took him. Do you remember a time when, you know, you've mentioned it too, and, and, and I would agree with you, when there were so few, you know, good running backs to choose from in the playoff challenge? You know, there are some. I just feel like we've had a plethora in the past, and then this year it's just been kind of like, you know, Kansas City is a quasi-committee. New England is a full-on committee. Uh, you look at Baltimore, Mark Ingram's dinged up right now. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. He's supposedly going to play. He's going to practice all next week. Right. The news. Um, Eagles, uh, obviously we just talked about Boston Scott and, 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 and Miles Sanders, Vikings getting Madison and Cook back at you the same Derek time. Derrick Henry on the road. I mean, Derrick Henry's been a phenomenal running back, so he's definitely an option for Tennessee at, at New England. And the issue from that, it, it's at New England, and they're four-and-a-half-point underdogs. But I guess the, the engine really goes with Derrick Henry. Or maybe not. Did you see that the Titans had a 1,000-yard receiver this year? Oh, really? A.J. Brown. Brown. Yeah, he's been super hot lately. He is the number one receiver on that team going forward. Yeah, he, I mean, the, and the Patriots have been struggling, although, I, again, I kind of like the Patriots. I would actually bet on the Patriots minus the points this week yeah. um, just because they look so terrible. Well, but Stephon if, Gilmore, you would think, would be on A.J. Brown. Yeah, and if, I mean, if, if they had actually been playing – if they had won last week, they'd probably be like an eight-point favorite or something like that. So well, and they wouldn't be here. playing this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, one of the, one of the, the, the caveats with that. Um, but, no, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to take a Titan this week, it's got to be Derrick Henry. I don't see any way you can take anybody else. You're not taking Tan- Tanny Hill. You're not taking uh, uh, A.J. Brown. You're for sure not taking Corey Davis or Jonu Smith or anybody like that. I guess maybe, maybe the kicker defense, um, especially the way uh, how, how beat up New England has been. Uh, over the course of the last uh, few weeks, um, as far as their skill position players go. Certainly, if you look at the Tennessee defense as a quote-unquote throwaway. Uh, Speaking of which, Dave, Julian Edelman, with a knee and a shoulder injury, is questionable for Saturday's game against Tennessee. This is according to Teron Davenport on Twitter. Um, Edelman has been pretty bad over the last month. And I think he's had one game that was like palatable. It was like five for 72 or something like that in week 15, I want to say. But if you look at weeks 13 through 17, it's been awful. Uh, he's battling. I got to make sure I get the pronunciation right on this. He's battling left knee tendinosis. I don't know what that is. If it's a combination of tendinitis and stenosis, I have no idea. Uh, he's 33 years old. I mean, not, not the young man he used to be. I look at Julian Edelman as maybe he's not the chalk play for the Patriots anymore. You know, a lot of people in this contest, like, oh, just put Edelman in. You know, he's going to, he's got, he's got a higher than normal ceiling and he's for sure got a high floor. Put him in. I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. I think his floor, I think, excuse me, I think his ceiling's been lowered and I think his floor has dropped. I mean, you, you have no idea what he's capable of now. Well, again, you go back to weeks 12 through 17 of this season. Uh, Edelman has 86.2 points. James White, 86.1 points. Now, granted, week 13, uh, James White had 37 points. But he has outscored Edelman in one, two, three of those five games. So, you know, he is, he's, he's getting targets. And if the game script, if they're losing the game, he's going to get a lot of targets. But even if they win the game, he'll get some targets, and then they have the next game to go on to, which they might be losing that game. So, I think James White's a definitely a viable alternative. 
and he's relatively healthy. Yeah, and we have seen him, and we'll touch on this later on in the show, but we have seen him, Dave, be pretty good in the regular season, and all of a sudden, just for whatever reason, he is the game plan for he's the a Patriots. Playoff guy. Yeah, yeah, for totally sure. turns it on. Should have been the Super Bowl MVP uh, that one year. Uh, is there any? Uh, and this is more of a philosophical playoff question: Is there any hope for inserting Tom Brady and hoping for the extra game as, as your quarterback? I don't think you could put Brady in there with all the other good options out there. Quarterback, he's been playing so poorly. As you know, his yards per attempt are terrible. Uh, you could look at the kicker, the defense. You could look at fading them completely if you really have guts and you think that Tennessee would get some upset. What is the percentage? Let me ask you this. What's the percentage uh, of ownership? Your projected, your Gerzak crystal ball per, projected percentage of ownership at quarterback if I combine Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> is it above 80? Um, I think it's a, no, I don't think above 80 because I, I think. I think 70, 70, 75. Okay, so it's above 70, though, for sure. I mean, that's... Who's your... Who's your who, um, is Mahomes your number two owned quarterback, or is there somebody else? You know, last guy brought up Drew Brees and possibly having yeah. four games. So I yep. think Brees gets interesting. The problem with Brees is then you have to forego Michael Thomas, who has a, had a record-setting year at receiver. So ah. it's, it's challenging. That was a regular season. Forget that. We'll never <laughs> do it again. All right, let's bring in tonight's guest. Enough of us bantering. He has a couple of 20, uh, top 20 finishes overall in the Football Guys Players Championship, including third place uh, overall, along with numerous league titles there, as well as the FFPC main event. This past season, he took home the championship in the 2019 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge Draft held live at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. Dave, go and, ahead. And he also likes to wait on quarterback in Kentucky in the big payback league. He does indeed do that, and he's here to dish on that and more. <laughs> His sleepers in the FFPC Playoff Challenge 2. Please welcome back to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. It is Bo Berman. Happy New Year, man. Welcome back. Well, well Happy New Year, Balk and David. And I got to tell you, that that is a very generous. Uh, you can keep on going with the accolades if you'd like. I just uh, never felt so good about myself. Well, we should have gotten his law firm website and you know read off some of his awards we, from that. We could do that, and I'll say this <laughs> from from a GQ standpoint, I need to get more of my fashion tips from Bo, who has uh, definitely uh, called me out on some of my attire that I've worn in Kentucky over the past couple of years. Hey, speaking of that, Bo, speaking of that, Balky comes over, uh, you know, comes bring to the studio. Up. Nobody cares. From the you know, he leaves the gym and he's over here, with, you know, with his whatever sixteen-inch pythons after he left the gym. <laughs> You know, he's, he's wearing a sleeveless shirt. He's like, I have 15 and like, a half. welcome back, Connor, over here. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, so Dave has to look at my bare arms. It's, you don't it's, smell it all, so I appreciate well, that. Thank you. But thank you. I'm actually wearing a collared I'm shirt for once. Um, you look do good. you need any counseling, David? David, you need any counseling? Uh, <laughs> having to look at Balky in that type of an outfit? I need plenty of counseling on top of just looking at Balky. <laughs> yeah, so just, in general, I this, can use This will be coming up at his uh, next meeting with his therapist, uh, no question. Uh, Bo, let's get into this. Uh, we want to talk playoff challenge, but before we get into it, let's talk about the bare knuckle. Uh, you win the title this season. I would be lost if I ever tried to prep for a 28-round draft with a short timer uh, in this league, and then you basically need to memorize everything. No tablets, no phones, no pieces of paper, no pens, no pencils, no nothing. You got to know everything. How do you begin your prep on something like this? Well, the, the prep, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's kind of simple it, it, because uh, probably my background and legal background helps me a lot. And uh, when, when you try cases and you, and you have to memorize a lot of stuff and uh, it gives you an advantage, I think, uh, coming in. And obviously the pressure when, you know, being a trial lawyer as opposed to uh, basically other items in life, uh, uh, the 28 rounds isn't really that, that, that scary, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the, the, the scary part is, is not to make a fool of yourself. Is when they, they come to you <laughs> and all of a sudden you, go, you get frozen. And, uh, and, and I think that's what kind of drives you. Yeah, I think at the end of the 28 rounds, I'm not so much concerned about what my team looks like. I'm more concerned about that I didn't make myself look like a fool in front of everybody else. You know, speaking of trial law, Balk and I were watching the end of Liar Liar earlier. Oh, yeah. It's such a such a fine example of the legal the courtrooms and all that. Yeah, yeah, right? I, I yeah exactly. You, you are really you're really moving up in the legal movies. I mean, Liar Liar probably <laughs> is at at the top of the list for what the real world looks like. 
A lot of pressure. Yeah, no. A lot of pressure. Speaking of pressure, there you go. That's that, and that's truly, truly how you prepare uh, for something like that. Um, I mean, the preparation. You had, uh, mentioned both. You know, the preparation and what you do is, I think you, the, the hardest part is probably at the end of the day on the four-hour airplane ride out there. I mean, people are looking at me, and I'm like saying kickers' names to myself, like dead uh, fish, and they, <laughs> and, and they, you know, they 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 really are. Concerned. So they call the flight attendants over. Exactly what is this guy uh, yelling, you know, saying kind of names like this? But I think that after you get past the kicker part, uh, and, and you know, and you feel like you're not going to freeze, uh, because that's the, the least position that anybody ever really talks about, or listens about, or ever really prepares about. Uh, then uh, I, I think when you get when you get all 32 of those babies, uh, you're kind of ready to roll. That's impressive. I love it, man. It's so great. So from the draft itself, you know, you're 28 rounds. You did win the thing. Did you remember any big-time screw-ups that you had while you were on the clock or maybe that anyone else might have had? No. I, this, you know, from a screw-up standpoint, well, you can see other teams develop. And, I mean, and, and sometimes you get caught. And it's one team without naming specific names gets caught with six quarterbacks. Uh, on a 28-man roster, and four of them may not see the field, and three of them are on the same team. So I think when you take a look <laughs> and you see those type of things developing, then obviously you're going to start off with some form of advantage. But the strategy in it, uh, I, I think it's kind of basic to a lot of people's strategies, even in a 20-man draft. Uh, there's an obvious, obvious need for running backs early. And uh, obviously, the depth position is the wide receiver. And I committed myself and my son. And the way we did this is actually uh, he does the first three rounds, and then I did. So I need to give him the appropriate uh, attaboy. He handles the first three rounds, and then I take care of the next 25. Uh, but there was, an, there was <laughs> you know, a thought pattern going in that. Uh, we're going to just try and in the first 10 rounds pop ourselves four or five starting running backs, and then we'll try to build the team from there. And that's really what we did. But the key to bare knuckles is it's any other league is I got very, very, very fortunate with the lack of injuries. And uh, if you start a decent team and you got some decent depth and, and you don't have the people on the IR, uh, then in weeks 14, 15, and 16 or whatever else it is, you're still starting a viable lineup, and I, and I got fortunate enough uh, that I had, you know, a, a limited amount of injuries that my entire roster was in play the entire time. I lost a kicker uh, who got waived, and that really was the only uh, major issue uh, that I had. But the strategy was to grab the uh, was to grab the uh, running backs early, just like a lot of people do in a in a regular twenty round snake draft. So uh, we got a question from the chat room here from our good buddy uh, Hudson Kern Reeve. Uh, the Wasp guy wants to know what he what you think your most brilliant pick was. What was your best pick in bare knuckles, whether it be a good value or somebody who really carried you throughout the season? Well, I think around I, I don't know. I said you know the draft board. Maybe it appears uh, in preparation for tonight. Maybe it appears in somewhere. But uh, I think that's the one draft board that might not make it back on, onto the website. Uh, I know it in rounds five, six, right? I know in rounds five, six, and seven. Uh, although I got to tell you, I think you know rounds one through four were, were really, really solid. When you go Kamara, Mixon, uh, Ertz, uh, Godwin, in five, six, and seven, we popped uh, Miles Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, and then in round seven, which I thought was going to be a good pick because the Bears played on Thursday night earlier. And Montgomery didn't show too much, so uh, Montgomery kind of dropped from round four to uh, four or five, maybe before the game that people were thinking about him, uh, into round seven. So in our first seven picks, uh, we ended up with, uh, you know, five run, five what we thought were, you know, decent running backs. Esther, obviously, was the total key, and I would imagine uh, at least in, in, a, in a bare knuckles type of format, even better than the, uh, the the regular season because he had just a monster first eight or nine weeks before Gordon ever ever saw there. So popping Eckler in round six and uh, getting an RB one or a running back ending in the top five by the end of the year 
in, in round six was uh, rather fortunate by us. And then we did a lot of prayer in rounds uh, 10 through 20 <laughs> uh, with uh, wide receivers. And But they're, they're, they existed out there. Some really, really played uh, over their heads uh, that, that were very, very good to us. I don't think we win without the, uh, the picks of Beasley, Gallup, uh, and Debo Samuel uh, really weren't uh, tremendously on people's radars. You know, Gallup maybe in the in the eight to eleven bracket, with Samuel and Beasley especially, but missed on some other guys that in a best ball format I thought were were capable of having big years. Except I forgot that Drew Brees is having trouble throwing the ball over forty two yards now, and therefore Teddy Ginn and Traquan Smith uh, going deep uh, aren't exactly uh, uh, didn't exactly happen. Uh, I don't even think one time during the season to really help us out. But um, but I have to say Eckler, um, obviously getting him in round six or wherever we got him. Andrews in round eight or nine, wherever wherever he was, obviously. I mean, we had lots of guys who had monster years. I mean, Godwin had a monster. Andrews had a monster. Ertz had a monster. Uh, and late in the season when they weren't doing anything, uh, Kamara and Mixon, who really didn't have big seasons for the first 12 weeks, maybe somewhere in the 12 to 14 point average rate, basically had really big weeks in, uh, in, in weeks 14, 15, and 16. And, and that really helped out a little bit as well. We're talking with uh, Bo Berman, the 2019 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge champion. You had mentioned Debo Samuel as a guy that, that really helped you out. Um, and and Wasp guy also chiming in in the chat room saying that he thinks he's a sleeper in the playoff challenge. I'm kind of curious uh, what, whether you think he's going to have a breakout in 2020, perhaps on, on par with what we saw from DJ Moore this past season, Bo. Well, I think Samuel has got tremendous talent and as he sits around on that team. The question is, will San Francisco, depending upon how far they go, uh, they are probably lacking the total stud wide receiver that some teams have. There are some free agents or some guys that might become available. You know, like a Beckham, if he gets traded, uh, would look great on that team. Uh, Samuel, I think, is much more talented uh, and in the prime of his career with Sanders, I think, being on the downside probably in year. I think he's probably about a six or seven or eight-year wide receiver, although he played well at the end of the year, a couple of injuries over the last couple of years. Samuel just appears to be a stud. Uh, the problem with that squad is uh, probably in weeks one through eight or whatever it is when they went eight and no, they just absolutely dominated running the ball with three different guys at, at, at different times. So the wide receiver targets, I would say, are, are really low on that team. And then if somebody doesn't think that George Kittle's going in the first round of every draft next year, probably somewhere, you know, in, in between picks five and pick eight, that they're that they're out of their mind. That guy's a stone monster. So Samuel's a good talent. The question is, on that type of a team that runs the ball more than any team, and obviously features as good, I think him and Kelsey kind of dominate that position um, how many targets that uh, he can get to, to be that effective but more has the same issue I mean uh, because uh, you could just mark in McCaffrey for 30 you know 30 touches a ball game and then more has to maximize his opportunity like he did this year but they got behind a lot that's the big difference uh, San Francisco don't get behind that didn't get behind that much this year and never was really throwing out of a total necessity that's good stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the, about the playoff challenge that starts tomorrow. So what's the biggest question the players have to answer correctly to get the half million, and then what's the answer? <laughs> okay, try, what's the worst thing to the answer? Well, you got you got two games on Saturday. I mean, you got those two ball games uh, on on Saturday and the two games on Sunday, and two of them are tosses. Uh, meaning that if somebody can predict for me and you can listen on TV or wherever you want between Seattle and Philly and between the Texans and Buffalo, uh, you guess those two games right or you get those two games right, uh, and I think you're going to be in, a, in really, really good shape because I, 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 and I like those two games and I like the away teams in both of them. 
Oh, and I think the players, I mean, the big play potential, I don't think Seattle has many choices. I don't think in the theory that you're never going to get more than two games out of Wilson that he's a viable choice. Uh, therefore, I think it comes down between Lockett and Metcalf on that team. Pretty sure that Lockett may, and that, they may spread that pretty even. The running backs get no play. Uh, the tight end is such a good position with the other teams that uh, Hollister probably gets limited play. So if you make a nice pick and lock it against a really weak secondary uh, in game number one against Philly and he pops a couple of 50 yards or Metcalf does the same and Seattle wins, I think you get a good shot there. And I'm a big John Brown fan against uh, – I, I like Buffalo to beat the Texans. So uh, that choice came down to me between Singletary and, and between Brown. And I think Brown can get behind that secondary as well and, and potentially pop a couple uh, of, of big plays there. So my strategy is simple. I'm going to ride those two guys and uh, play it pretty conservative. And then you just got to guess in the defense and the uh, place kicker of the four teams that are going to lose, probably lean towards Bailey kicking in a dome, maybe in a high-scoring game to where he might be able to pop a couple field goals and then just kind of go with prayer on the defense uh, of what team I play there. Don't have a really good feel for that. I got a question for both of you. Okay, go ahead. Quiz here. Buffalo, week 12 through 16, the number one scoring player on the team was Josh Allen. Who was number two? Cole Beasley. That is correct. Ah, there you go. Cole Beasley, someone no one really talks about, but he's he's a real deep sleeper there. What do you think about him, Bo? I'm a big Cole Beasley fan. I love the little slot receivers. I just think that Brown is a – I think Houston's secondary is like 120 years old. And uh, all I ever kept seeing during the season was, uh, you know, just people beating them deep. And I think Brown had – if you check out Brown's targets in the last four or five weeks, he just had some monster weeks uh, to where he was – really heavily targeted. I like Josh Allen. I like that team. And I'm very well aware, David, that you are absolutely in love with the Buffalo Bills, but you haven't popped out <laughs> a favorite player, uh, you know, at, at right now. But I think you ought to let people know that you are a Frank Gore freak, uh, University of Miami guy. <laughs> I think he played there in the 90s, all right? So uh, play with good teams. Hey, I've been putting Frank Gore on best ball teams since the you know dawn of man. It seems like I, I keep on scoring. Yeah, you were putting him on best ball teams since before best ball existed. I'm, I'm I will seriously say this: Wayne Ellis laughed at uh, Kurt and myself. We were drafting a best ball team in Kentucky. Yeah. This was probably seven years ago, and we drafted Gore. I don't even know where it was, like the seventh round or something. He's like, "You still taking Frank Gore?" <laughs> you know, he laughed, and then Gore was like a high-end RB2 that year, and we won the league, which, yeah. whatever. I mean, once in a while, you won a league, right? Right. So, it was a lot of fun. I will say, as, well, as far as um, – uh, go ahead, Bo. No, go. I mean, uh, Frank Gore, I think next year might catch his uh, first pass. So, uh, he's going to be a very, very effective <laughs> running back. <laughs> be one of those guys here. He, he gets his uh, first gray hair before he catches his first pass. Uh, I think I think of this Gary and Conley acquisition by the Texans way back in this was late October. Gary and Conley was the 24th pick of the 2017 draft, and the Texans gave up a third round pick to get him. This is a guy that was really really struggling, and he might be their best corner right now. So I think as much as we talk about the great matchup for the Seahawks receivers against the Philly secondary, this Buffalo secondary is going to have a golden opportunity in front of him. John Brown could have a field day. I could easily see that uh, because he could definitely get behind. Uh, those Texans uh, uh, corners uh, with no problems. Bo, how do you like to build lineups for this playoff challenge? Are you, are you, you know, sort of making out a mental bracket of, of which teams are going to advance, which teams are in the Super Bowl, and then picking the players from there? How, how does your process go? The process that I did, and I do, I like to build. I mean, I, I, I like them to go in, and I like them to, uh, you know, have, I think they're playing much better offensively, and they can put up some decent numbers uh to me there is i I mean in the afc in order to get through you got to go beat the two teams that i think are by far uh dominant in in their own division so you got to go beat you know you're gonna have to go beat uh kansas city in kansas city but they got the break of uh miami dumping uh the um new england last week and you got baltimore 
who is just hitting on, you know, I don't want to use the cliche, but they're just, they're just a machine. So those two teams, uh, to me, have a huge advantage. I think Lamar Jackson and, and George Kittle are probably going to be uh, two most dominant players uh, in this challenge from a percentage standpoint. I mean, you got a quarterback who's averaging probably over 30, and Kittle's just a beast. Plus, he's on a team that doesn't have many other players unless you're really going to go out on a limb uh, to try to think that somebody's going to outscore Kittle on San Francisco. And if you did, you'd probably have three other guys that you're just going to pick out of a hat. So uh, I'm, I'm playing Kansas City to beat Baltimore, and uh, I'll probably make Mahomes my quarterback. And I'll, I'll try to you know sneak in Baltimore in the two games that they play with Andrews you know in, in a flex spot, uh, and I'll hopefully end up with San Francisco. Uh, I think they got the easiest road uh, because Green Bay and and uh, New Orleans got to knock each other off. I, I think uh, the San Francisco gets this wait a week, gets healthier, gets the team at home get Seattle and Philly, who are the two most banged up teams of any teams that are playing in the playoffs. So, uh, uh, you know, I just put down, I, I think Kansas City's going to play San Francisco in the Super Bowl. I worked it down from there. And when I made the determination, I thought Buffalo was going to beat the Texans and uh, Seattle's going to beat Philly. It really became easy. Uh, your choices are uh, uh, on the other squads. You're going to have to flip some coins. You like Kamara, you like Thomas, you like Jones, you like Adams. The running back position appears to be a lot more difficult to fill uh, in, in this type of a chance as it is everywhere else. So I, I, uh, I lean a little bit towards Kamara and Jones uh, as far as filling that. And then I like uh, Edelman to pop in at uh, one receiver spot, John Brown at one receiver spot. And then uh, I put Lockett in a flex with Andrews with my tight end. And I look, so I, when I look at the team, I said, hey, shit, the team's got a chance. Uh, but Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so you mentioned Aaron Jones over Devontae Adams. I mean, so do you, does, I, it's going to be pretty close, but it sounds to me like a lot of people are taking Aaron Jones just because he is that top-quality running back and the Packers should be favorites in the first week. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, he's not only the top-quality running back. He's <laughs> – they just – I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know what other people think. I don't know how they're 13-3. and three. If you watch them play, <laughs> they got the two seeds. I mean, they, they play like they could have been 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and 10-6. and six. Uh, They kind of win games, and they never really look great doing it. And whatever they – and they, they don't look like they're, you know, in any great rhythm or not. But the one thing I know is – Jones is either carrying the ball or just throwing the shit to him. Oh, sorry. Uh, just throwing the, the ball to him. And uh, he's sort of uh, – he just appears to be that guy. And he's uh, pretty talented. So, uh, you know, and, and Adams, uh, if, they, if things go to form, apparently will draw a pretty top cornerback for a guy for uh, uh, the cornerback who will follow him for New Orleans. So I just think that Jones is uh, probably safer, and certainly, I mean, he was about as uh, as efficient as anybody in both sides, uh, you know, in both the passing game and in the running game. And with Williams being banged up, I don't know if he's available, but uh, Williams being banged up certainly uh, put Jones to the forefront for me. That decision was easy. The hard decision to me was Kamara or Thomas, and. Uh, I ended up going with Kamara because of the way he played at the end of the season. I just think, uh, I just think he's ready to roll. He's just a stud. So is Thomas, though. 2019 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge champion Bo Berman joining the program tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I know you had mentioned Tyler Lockett as your Seahawk, uh, Bo, and, I, and forgive me if you already mentioned what, what you're looking at for Philly, but are you just fading them completely, uh, you know, since you're projecting them to lose? Do you have any Eagles in any of your lineups, or is that something that you're, you're, you're I, just I, not I looking play at? Multiple te- you know, I'm playing multiple teams. I mean, I'm probably playing four to six teams. When you play Philly, it's, I just think it's impossible right now to say who you're playing. There appear to be great plays on Philadelphia if, if, if you have the what if. If Ertz don't play, Goddard is obviously tremendously uh, 
solid. Uh, if Sanders don't play, they're, they're you know they're Boston Scott just had he played pretty well. He looked a little bit of a version of a uh, of Darren Sproles in four ball games. So if Miles Sanders ain't playing, uh, then I think Boston Scott's a good play. I think Goddard's a good play. You might even try to get sneaky uh, because, you know, Seattle's not any uh, dynamite on defense either. Uh, apparently, Greg Ward has played pretty well. So I think there are, there are several viable Eagles if you go that route, which I will in one game. But I'm going to have to wait till uh, you know, an hour before game time. Uh, it's hard to believe that they're saying that Ertz is going to play with a lacerated kidney. It sounds like something you might not want to be playing football with. But, uh, you know, as of today, uh, he was they were saying that he was leaning towards potentially playing. But uh, th- that's a wait to see for me, that team. Lockett, to me, is uh, – I don't have to think about that because uh, their running backs are so decimated that uh, – you know, it's either Lockett or Metcalf. Uh, if, if you're going to play, to me, if you're going to play a Seahawks, because Hollister plays, you know, a position uh, where there's Kels and Andrews and Kittle, uh, and unless you're going to play him in the, you know, play him in the flex. So, but uh, that's what I, that, that's what my theory is, uh, along with uh, that squad. Well, let me. Uh, I got an email here that I, I wanted to read you from a, a listener question. It is from Allen in Worcester, Massachusetts. He writes, "Is there any player from either the Titans or Vikings worth investing in for the playoff challenge, or should I be ignoring both those squads?" Congrats on the bare knuckle challenge title. Thank you for the email, Allen in Worcester, Mass. Um, Titans and Vikings, I believe, are the two biggest underdogs on Wild Card Weekend. Titans at like four and a half, Vikings at eight, as we said earlier. Are you looking at anybody? I know you mentioned Dan Bailey earlier, Bo. Is there anybody else that you'd be looking at on either of those uh, squads? Well, if you well, if you want to go win, all right. If you want to go win and you want to be the contrarian, I mean, they say that Cook is in great shape. He's running on a carpet. If you think that Kirk Cousins could go in and win a big game, then uh, it, it's probably going to be Cook who's going to be absolutely dominant in the game for them. It has to be dominant. So if you think they can beat New Orleans, then Cook is obviously a player. I don't think they can beat New Orleans. I think New Orleans has, has too many other factors. Plus, they got screwed, you know, two years before playing against them. Uh, I think they're a better team. Uh, I just can't imagine. Like I said, Kirk Cousins hasn't won a big game yet, uh, and Cook has been a little bit banged up. So I, the, the Vikings, I shy away from. Uh, could Tennessee? If I didn't, you know, if I believe my eyes, I. There's no reason why Tennessee can't beat New England. If Ryan Fitzpatrick can go in there in a must-win game for New England and the Dolphins beat him, you know, Tannehill's played out of his mind, but nobody trusts him. It's the same thing that's always gone on with you have a quarterback who just happens to be playing great, uh, but they just don't believe. I, I, I just don't think that the public thinks that the end is coming for Tom Brady losing at home with Bill Belichick to the Tennessee Titans. I so I'm, I'm going to ride that, you know, that they've been the most dominant team in football forever. And, uh, and I think they will find a way to beat Tennessee. But Tennessee, uh, I, I don't think they're secondary. Uh, I, I don't think their wide receivers will get open against. Uh, so A.J. Brown, I'm not a real big fan of against McCourty. And uh, Henry is solid. Um, and if there's a weakness in New England, it's probably against the run as opposed to against the pass. But I just think they're going to find a way to beat them and shut them down and actually beat them pretty handily. So I'm not a real big fan of any Tennessee players. Uh, on the carpet, I could see Cook having a huge game. But, again, you'd have to rely upon Kirk Cousins in some way, you know, beating Drew Brees. And that's about a 10% shot as far as my concern, in my mind, as a touchdown on the dog. All right, so this is our final question. Uh, we want you to please give us a player that uh, FFPC owners should definitely have on their playoff challenge laps, one player they have to have, and someone that they should most assuredly avoid and not have on their team. Well, I, I think the player or, or the players that you that – you, the one player that I think that you have to have is obviously the guy who's going to the championship game. And uh, I – I think it sets up, as I look at things, 
that I that I I'm a big Patty Mahomes guy, and uh, I I think Patty Mahomes is, is going to lead. Uh, he's gotten healthy. I think he's going to lead people to the championship, and uh, so I'm uh, real excited. And I'm probably going to play him on like three out of my four squads uh, to get to the championship game. The guy that uh, I am fading because I uh, I just want to make I just uh, he's a New England any New England player and especially I just think that uh, the last three or four weeks is taking its toll on Julian Edelman and uh, I just don't think he's going to be much of a factor uh, for them I think uh, in fact I like the other wide receiver probably more and they're running back coming out of the backfield White and Cole Harry that's the guy that I'm fading Edelman and uh, the player that I'm not missing on is Mahomes so I just think they're peaking at the right time. Now, there you go. They're perhaps a changing of the guard as we are looking at uh, the Chiefs as uh, being the, the team that could take New England out or potentially Baltimore. We'll see how it shakes out after Wild Card Weekend. Bo Berman, the 2019 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge winner, uh, going to be competing in the world champ, or excuse me, the world famous uh, FFPC Playoff Challenge as well this weekend. Thanks so much for coming back on these airwaves sharing some knowledge, dropping some science, and congrats on the BKC win. We'll see you again. Uh, I guess the next time I'll see you is probably Kentucky, and then uh, we'll hook up again in Vegas, man. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Happy New Year to you guys, and thanks for having me. Thank you, thanks Bo. Happy New Year to you as well, as well as the fashion tips. I always appreciate the fashion tips from Bo Berman. He's a sharp dresser. He, he is, and he called well, me out. a picture. I mean, not when we see him in person. No, he's still a sharp dresser in person. He's fine. You know, it's so, I, was so, I can't remember exactly what I wore that, that day in Kentucky. He called me out on it, but I remember when I was leaving my hotel room, I'm like, ah, man, I probably shouldn't wear this. You know, I just, I, it felt like it just it looked bad. And then I'm like, ah, nobody's going to care. It, I'm down there for 15 minutes. Bo's calling me out. What in the hell are you wearing? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's bad. I, and I went up and changed Kentucky, after that right? trap in Kentucky. Oh, yeah, man, that's rough. Yeah. I'm so. Call out for fashion. Is <laughs> well, hey, come on. I'm not going to throw anybody else under the bus. But I was, uh, I was among the worst dressed guys uh, Saturday morning there this past year. All right, Dave. Uh, we have our. We've let the listeners hang on long enough. We have our uh, world famous FFPC playoff challenge lineups. Yeah, I'm uh, sure they're uh, really glued to their seats here. Oh, everybody! Oh, they all want to know. You, They've got their radios turned up. They're sitting around the fireplace. The, the big, large radios right. from the '50s that they still use. I was uh, I was on Fantasy Alarm a, a few times and, and Rotoballer a few times for um, on, on Sirius XM. And every single time I went on there, everybody's asking me, oh, "Who do you like here? Who do you like here? Who's your lineup? Well, what are you doing here?" You know. So the people have spoken. We're going to lay it out for them right now. Uh, I say this every year. How do you want to do this, Dave? And every year, like, I don't care. Do whatever you want, Bulky. So I guess I will be the person that uh, calls it out this year, and we'll go position by position, all right? So we'll start with the quarterback. I am going chalk here. I am going Lamar Jackson. All right, Bulky. I, unfortunately, am going to do the same thing. The reasoning for me, and feel free if I miss any of the points here, I look at this from the standpoint of I think the, the Ravens, I have the best chance of getting to the Super Bowl. I believe that they will be in the Super Bowl, and I'm just salivating at the potential of double points for Lamar Jackson in the big game. Um, he's, to me, he's just too big of a difference maker, even though he's going to be so heavily owned, probably 60%, 70% owned. So it's, you, you have to pick some different players after that. I, and I agree, and, and I will go non-chalk here, but I think from the standpoint of if, if I believe that Baltimore is going to be in the Super Bowl – how can you not go with Lamar Jackson? I just I can't make a good case for a banged up Ingram. I can't make a good case for Mark Andrews or Marquise Brown or or that's uh, you know that defense or Tucker or anybody. You know, so for me it's it's got to be Lamar Jackson at quarterback. All right, my my team is still is pretty shocking. This is probably the one I'm going to use. Well, I should, I'm in a private. Little... I was just going to ask you so about I, that. Yeah, I'm going to probably use it in that one. So whatever. Um, I was speaking with another. Yeah, I might change it. I, I was speaking with another high stakes owner who's also in a. a I, I believe the same one you're referring to, and I I was invited to it, and I totally forgot about it, and I need to reply back uh, to get in on that um, before. I think uh, it's too late. Oh, it is? I'm is guessing. It so? Well, maybe it's a different one. I don't know. Oh, well, we'll talk about it after this. Because we can't play in that. Right. We've we 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 got to get our action somewhere. We don't have any choices here. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. So running back number one, um, I guess your your, your quote-unquote best running back, your most owned running back. Travis Homer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Travis, that was, Travis that was, Homer, but it's tempting. Isn't uh, Travis Homer someone interesting? Um, 
My best running back will be Miles Sanders. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, so you're going with Miles Sanders there. Ted. I'm going to take Miles Sanders. You, you kind of already staked your, your claim of, of Miles Sanders uh, earlier in the show when you talked about how prolific he had been uh, at the end of the season. And if he is healthy, which he says he is, could be a boffo day for him against the Seattle Seahawks. I think, I think they get the W, so I think he plays two games. So I, I like Sanders. That way I kind of avoid that tight end situation. I can go with tight end with more of the, you know, the other studs. Yeah, well, the, don't give too much away. Yeah. Uh, my number one running back, you know I bleed green and gold. It's Aaron Jones. Uh, again, another semi-chalky play. Here's my reasoning uh, behind that. If I believe the Packers are going to win football games, and I do, and why do I believe that they're going to win? Because they've done it all season. It hasn't looked good. Quite frankly, Bo pointed out, I was like, they, they should be an 8-8 eight eight or 9-7 and seven team. I think uh, the ESPN Football Power Index pegged them at 9.7 wins rather than 13 wins. I, listen, they do it. I don't know how they do it, but they've been doing it. And I look at that opening game, it's probably going to be against New Orleans. It's also going to be at Lambeau Field. It also should be uh, snowy. My, my, um, my co-host for, the, for uh, the show with Leo and Balky in the afternoons, he said he already looked up the forecast for that January 12th game. Uh, and it's supposed to be snowy, and so you're, you're bringing this high-powered New Orleans offense to Lambeau Field. Drew Brees, not the greatest track record uh, in the playoffs, uh, in road games. Uh, look at the Packers getting the NFC title game. Now you say, Bo Balky, well, well, Aaron Jones, everybody's going to own him. What about Devontae Adams? Well, here's the reason. The Packers win when Aaron Jones is a big part of the offense. When Devontae Adams is a big part of it, they've been all right. But Aaron Jones, his big games, they win. And if I'm believing the Packers are going to win, it's going to be because of Aaron Jones, not because of Devontae Adams. That's why I'm going with Aaron Jones there, Dave. Well, thank you for the, the wonderful soliloquy. It was beautiful. I'm glad. Well stated. All right. Your, do you, you obviously have a second running back. Who is your second running back, Dave? I, I think I, I'm actually uh, I'm going to do my alternate lineup here. Oh, on the fly. I love yeah, it. So I'm going to go with Live Derek, radio. Derek Henry. Derek so, Henry. Oh, so granted – he is clearly probably better than Miles Sanders as far as fantasy points. That's scores. okay. You called an audible. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take Derrick Henry, and I'm going to – in this team, I'm kind of calling for the New England upset possibly, so then possibly playing two games. So And Derrick Henry or, could be huge. Or Henry, you know, he has good games regardless. So, um, he's been great all year. I, I, 2019 I NFL rushing title champion. Yeah. He won it on that 53-yard run late. Um, but yeah, It's pretty cool if you were betting in Vegas, you know, if you had that. Oh, pass, yeah, just to see that. that. Yeah, rushing champion. Um, they, uh, the other thing, too, to keep in mind with, uh, with Henry is if they do pull the upset, now all of a sudden you're looking at um, uh, not only one game, but you're getting a second game against Baltimore, a team that will be more than happy to slog it out in the trenches. That might play into Derrick Henry's hand as well. I'm not saying they'd beat Baltimore, but uh, he should have two good games if he gets by. Uh, the Patriots in the first round. Dave, you're, do you have any other running backs on your roster? I do not. Okay, neither do I. Let's go to receivers. Your so running backs again are Aaron Jones. Are Aaron Jones. Oh, I need to do my second one. Oh, thank God, because I was, thought I wasn't listening like usual, right. but actually I was listening. You think and you weren't listening to yourself. The one time, I never listen to myself. That's <laughs> part of the problem of, of, of why we're on BTR. James White is my second running back here. Nice choice. Um, we we kind of talked about it earlier. He turns it on in the playoffs. They seem to formulate a game plan. I don't like Edelman because of how dinged up he is. And outside of those guys, I'm not sure if you can make a good enough case. No Gronk anymore. I'm not going to use the Patriots defense. So James White, to me, uh, is a good second running back here. Very good choice. Fine. All right. So now you're number one receiver. All right. I, mean, I think we're going to be a uh, coup de la here on the number one receiver. Michael Thomas is my number one receiver. And it's because... He's the number one receiver. It's yeah. pretty obvious, and Drew Brees is throwing to him. Michael Thomas is mine as well. Um, I look at the, the – he what did he average, like eight, nine catches a game this past year? Uh, he makes that offense go in a, in a time when Alvin Kamara went down. And, and I still think – by the way, I'm not sure – I mean, I know he's looked good the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure he's still fully healthy. And I, I think that if Michael Thomas – or if the Saints are going to make a march to the Super Bowl, it's going to be because of him. And that's the type of guy that you want. Again – Maybe the most owned player in the contest uh, next to Lamar Jackson. Maybe ahead of Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure. But I think he's, again, he's one of these players. He's just, he puts up too many points for you to ignore. So I'm going to go with Michael Thomas there. Well, I mean, the thing is you can't have, a, you can't have all different players in the whole thing. Because then, no. then you're, it's just getting, it gets you know, trashy almost. Your team just looks like a pile of crap. Right. And then you, you take last place. So. Right. Anyway. Well, you know, there's some people that play in this competition that say that they're either, they either want to take first or last. 
Well, and many of them take last. <laughs> they very well could, yeah, very, very well could. All right, your second receiver, good sir. Uh, I'm going with Devontae Adams. I know you took Aaron Jones, so you don't have him, so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Uh, on the season, uh, Aaron Jones did outscore Devontae Adams. Well, Adams missed all that time, too. Right, but I'm looking through weeks 12 through 17. All right. Devontae Adams is the number one scoring Packer on the team, including Aaron Rodgers, actually. Wow. 12 through 17, so I will take him. All right, so you got he's Adams. He's, yeah, you got Adams there. Uh, I'm going to go with my good buddy, uh, Bo Berman, on this. This is something that I had uh, struggled with. I didn't know what I wanted to do as, as far as um, my Metcalf versus uh, Lockett decision, but I'm going to go with my buddy Tyler Lockett, a guy I've had a soft spot for for many years in season-long competitions, and I'm going to go with him again. Uh, DK Metcalf actually um, got a zero in Week 17 against San Francisco, and if Seattle is able to win, uh, they should be taking on the – uh, San Francisco 49ers in week two. Um, I also like the big play potential of Lockett. I, I know Metcalf can get behind the secondary. It just seems to me that Lockett has the higher ceiling than Metcalf, and, and maybe Metcalf has had bigger games than Lockett this year. It's just I feel like Lockett, if you compare them from a game, and I, I probably should have done this before the show, but if you compare them from a game-by-game basis, I'm willing to bet that Lockett had the bigger games. I'm looking for high ceiling, and for me, it, 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 it's Tyler Lockett over Metcalf, and Lockett is my Seahawk du jour, Dave. That works for me. Do you have any other receivers? Um, I do as a flex. Uh, oh, you know what? I do, too. So go ahead with, with your third receiver. My third receiver is a white guy, and he's not Julian Edelman. Come on. It's Cole Beasley, Dave, baby. Dave. i got to be a difference maker. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> I also oh, have Cole Beasley. Oh, come on. It's, it's written right on my sheet here. Oh, Typed out, so you know I didn't make it up. This is worse. Um, Bill, we should, we should Bo, compared notes. Bo Berman was talking about how he liked John Brown. I like John Brown, too. But if you look at the stats, again, I, weeks 12 through 17 seems to be our arbitrary uh, timeline here that we're looking at. John Brown is, was not, not great. And Cole Beasley was looked to a lot by Josh Allen. We talked about the problems that the Houston secondary has had. And uh, this, you know, Allen could be the um, reliable safety blanket. Uh, Josh Allen's accuracy has been uh, called into question. He doesn't necessarily have to be that accurate when he's throwing these little underneath passes to Cole Beasley. He will have to be accurate if he's throwing these deep bombs to John Brown. So I look for Cole Beasley. You know, again, they probably got, what, 55% chance of winning, 57% chance of winning um, in the opening round. But if they do two games, you're looking at, Seven for seventy, maybe a touchdown, uh, and, and then maybe he probably does that again in the in the in the second round of the playoffs. Too. I like Buffalo to win, actually. I okay, do. so there I, you go. I think they're a better team. They're playing Houston, right? Yeah. Houston's point differential on the season was negative seven. That's they, bad. They didn't even outscore their opponents. The Packers, I think, were positive seven. I mean, it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, they're, they're very very close. Uh, Bills actually getting two and a half, but they are on the road uh, because Houston was yep. the division winner. But uh, interesting stuff there. All right, so you have Cole Beasley. I have Cole Beasley. At least we have a little bit of variation here. All right. But, I mean, I, I, the, the ownership percentage on Beasley is going to be way down there. So, I agree, and that's yeah. why I picked him. Yeah, yeah you know? me too. Or that was one of the – I shouldn't say that one was the reason. That right. was one of the reasons I picked him. Moving on to tight ends, your best tight end. Um, I don't know. They're both good. Kittle or Kelsey? Because that's my flex. I have Kelsey at, at one tight end and Kittle at the other uh, flex position. Exactly who I picked, too. That makes a lot of sense. My chief was Kelsey. My niner is Kittle. Same thing with Dave. Uh, I look at it from the standpoint, I, I think that the 49ers probably have to – for number one, I'm not sure who's going to be in the Super Bowl uh, from the NFC. I think it's either going to be San Francisco or Green Bay. I think New Orleans has a decent shot of getting there too, but I think it's either going to be the Niners or the Packers. So I'm betting on that premium scoring for tight ends here and getting George Kittle in the Super Bowl as pot- potentially a, a boffo week. I mean, maybe he gets to the Super Bowl and he goes – you know, he's already had a couple of – maybe even multi- more than two uh, games this year with, with double-digit reception. He could do that again in the Super Bowl. Maybe he gets 12 catches for 144 yards and three touchdowns in the Super Bowl. That it could be a contest winner, even though he will be high-owned. I mean, it depends upon your other guys, but you know, if, if Cole Beasley's the right play for me, then all of a sudden I'm looking pretty good there. So, and I think it goes without saying, Travis Kelsey was the number one tight end in FFPC scoring this year. Patrick Mahomes is going to look at him a, a lot. Uh, high ceiling, high floor. He catches the underneath stuff. He goes deep. Matchups look good for him as well. Uh, so, so to get Kelsey and Kittle, and I've been saying this too for the last couple of weeks, I think that 
two tight ends in your FFPC World Play- World Famous Playoff Challenge lineup, I think that is the way to go. I think you got to get two in there, especially with the choices you have uh, in this competition. They're both awesome and they're both healthy. Um, what, what would you say to uh, Jacob Hollister in this contest? Would you look at him as your Seahawk? No. No? You don't like him? I don't know. I mean, I don't even have a Seahawk, actually. I'm not I just, I, I'm just not, I'm, I'm favoring them losing this, this first week. So, okay. All right. So you, uh, yeah, I guess if you think they're going to lose then and what other tight ends do you like uh, in, I mean, obviously you're not going Dawson Knox. You you, know, I like Mark, you already said you're staying away from the Eagles tight ends. I would do what Bo's doing. If I had Mahomes, I'd look at Mark Andrews. I think that's a smart, smart pick. And not the corpse of Jimmy Graham. No, no, of course not. <laughs> I think you know, I think Goddard's an interesting eagle. If you have that space available in the flex or a tight end spot, and you're not taking Sanders, I think I, I can't play Ertz. I mean, it's, that's too much risk. Can I give you another contrarian play that's interesting? Oh, uh, sure, go for Jared it. Jared Cook for New Orleans. What about him? I mean, it's I guess it's fine, but I mean, you're really trying to. You think you're, you're, you're losing to, too much with Michael Thomas? You're right? trying to hit a driver right down the fairway with so little maneuverability. I mean, right. you have to. Then you, you, you have Breeze to deal with, you have Kamara to deal with, and you have Michael Thomas to deal with. He's the fourth best offensive player on the team. And if you want to pick the fourth best player on the team, you know, God bless you and good luck. <laughs> that would be a great team name. Um, kicker, let's move on to that real quick. I'll go first on this. I'm going with the Eagle, uh, Jake Elliott, who really helped me through a couple of jams in fantasy this season. Uh, I don't uh, expect the Eagles to win, but in case they do, he's got a big leg. Uh, he's been able to do it before. He gets the, the home game right away. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm throwing caution to the wind. It's a kicker. I don't have a whole lot of analysis here, Dave, but I kind of like Elliott. I'm taking Fairbairn or whatever his name is. Oh, Kaimi Fairbairn. Yeah. Sure. And so that, that actually is an interesting choice because, I mean, I could go the other direction and, and take Hauschka and Hopkins. Right. But if I actually think Buffalo is going to play two games, then I'm, I could be favoring Beasley. And I think Fairbairn, maybe he'll kick some field goals. So I, I think that's an all right pick. You brought up DeAndre Hopkins. He has been a very popular player in this competition for his career when Houston's been in the playoffs. Here's why I don't like him this year. Um, well, number one, uh, you already think the Bills are going to win. I am very uh, unsold on that guy. I don't know who's going to win between, between Buffalo and Houston. Um, if you look at what, how Houston moves the ball – they have a middling ground game with, with Hyde and Duke Johnson. Will Fuller is probably not going to play. And DeAndre Hopkins, granted, he's probably matchup proof, but he's lining up against all-pro corner Tredavious White. And with nobody on the other side of the field, conceivably, to take pressure off him, un- unless you're a big believer in you know, Kenny Stills or Kiki QT, I am not in either. Uh, I, I think it could be a quiet game for Hopkins. They have like a four for 40 type game, and then they could go out, and all of a sudden you lost your receiver in the wild card round. And they, yeah, it could lose. Very true. Very possible. Uh, Biff Lab Mandel calls Kaimi Fairbairn Fairbrain, <laughs> according to, to Kern Reeve in there. Right. Uh, anyway, so I didn't pick Hopkins. I chose Houston as my defense. All right. So I'm going with the Texans there. Your defense? My defense is the New England Patriots defense. Ooh. They're a favorite, and they were a huge defense. They were killing it early on. Uh, there's a, there's a chance that actually if they kept moving on, their defense might do something, but that's, you know, it's a little bit of a semi-fade because I, you know, I took Henry and so I, I feel okay about that taking Henry and New England and just seeing which way that game goes. Well, I mean, you never, listen, the Patriots have made a, they've made mincemeat out of everybody who said, Oh, this is the year I'm going to count them out. This is the year they're going to lose. And well, you know what? It hasn't happened yet. They continue to win. Maybe this is the year. I don't know. Well, they're short. They are struggling. They are. and, And they're banged up. They're banged up. They're struggling, but you know they are the best coach team in football, and they're always going to be prepared. So I think that, I think they're going to have a good game. They're uh, the, by the way, I, I read a fascinating article. This is the 20-year anniversary of Bill Belichick resigning as the Jets head coach after having the job for a few hours. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, they were, I Man, can't, I we're getting old. I, I can't remember who wrote the story, but he interviewed a lot of the people who were there in the building with with the Jets that day that gave their firsthand account of what they saw and. It was Bill Belichick working out on a treadmill and then throwing on an overcoat and grabbing a suitcase and leaving hurriedly out of the building. I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of weird stuff in that article. Oh, it was a fast, fascinating read. Um, now I forgot. Oh, the other thing I was going to say about the Patriots defense, I think I talked about this on Roto Baller. You remember a few years ago when the Seahawks and Broncos met in the Super Bowl 
And um, I believe the contest came down to Peyton Manning versus the Seattle defense. Those are like the two main players uh, as far as the top of the league. Yeah, I do remember that. And and everybody kind of thought like, well, it's going to be the Manning guy. And then lo and behold, Seattle scored. I I don't have my numbers. I think it was eight defensive touchdowns in that game. Uh, It's something like that. Maybe just in the first quarter. Um, But but he, he went on to win the whole thing because of the Seattle defense. So as much as you want to poo-poo kickers and defenses, they matter. And this defense that you chose, it, it, it definitely should matter more than my choice. It could matter big in the Super Bowl if, you know, you were fortunate enough to get there and you were in this contest. Yeah, so. I'm not. All right, so to recap here real quick, uh, my lineup, Lamar Jackson at quarterback, Aaron Jones, James White at running back. Receivers are Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Cole Beasley. Tight ends, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Kicker, Jake Elliott. Defense, Houston Texans. Dave. I really enjoy how you read these off as if anyone, first of all, cares, is writing them down, or for posterity's sake. I, guess, I know you're probably going to no, no. have to do it. There's going to be people that are going to be like, ah, I'm going to enter one more time, and I'm going to throw in the bulky lineup. I'm going to throw in the Dave lineup here, see what happens. The bulky lineup. That's uh, Dave had Lamar Jackson as his uh, quarterback running backs were Miles Sanders and Derrick Henry. Three receivers, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and Cole Beasley. Tight ends are Kelsey and Kittle. Kaimi Fairbairn at kicker, and the defense is the New England Football Patriots, and that's going to do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. By the well, way, there's been a ton of teams, you know, because so many I've been, people are listening to this yeah, show. I've been the following. The challenge has really been Yeah, it all sounded down to 1557. What was it when we started, like 18-something? Yeah, you know, Alex gives us no credit for, you know, for, for having all these listeners. Right. And we have tons of them. Maybe it was people, people all had stuff to do, and then we came on the airwaves <laughs> and like, Oh God, I, I, I do not, I got to find something to do because I can't listen to those guys for an hour. Well, liar, I'll just register for a bunch of teams. Liar, liar also ended. For, well, oh, that's probably that. what it was. Yeah. Um, I want to thank Bo Berman, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you uh, for uh, listening in uh, this weekend. Uh, Vince Staffolino, remember to check him out on the high stakes lowdown, rotoviz.com slash podcast, as well as Apple podcast and the blue wire podcast network next week. Heavy hitter, 2019 FFPC main event champion, Mike Paraka will return to these airways, talk a little bit about his championship team, talk about the playoff challenge as well, uh, get some insight from him, a guy who was uh, so close many times, finally cracked through for a half million bucks this year. You want to be a half million dollar winner just like Mike? Feel free to join the FFPC playoff challenge, $500,000 grand prize, $200 entry. They're selling, as Dave pointed out, I mean, we're not just saying this, they are selling fast all of a sudden for whatever reason, so make sure you jump in that as that contest will close at 4.30 Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, hopefully uh, you uh, enjoyed tonight's show. Hopefully uh, you can jump in the playoff challenge and make it uh, uh, one of the best playoffs ever for a half million dollar grand prize. You never know. Your wild card weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team explore, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. You know, I, normally we put $5 on these lineups. We, you want to make it official? I got five on my playoff challenge lineup. Sure, you post, post, script on <laughs> post script. I think you know, not just to say PS, but you say the whole thing post script. <laughs> is that what it is after a show? No, I did, well, I mean, I've never heard it like after a show. Like, post oh, show, post production? No, because post production would be like you're after. Your yeah, and your or, or whatever. But I, I guess it would be. I've never. Had to deal with it before, but I guess it would be post-script. Post-talk? Post-chat? Post-pod? <laughs> Our first post-pod. Back. Please end this. All right, it's, it's over. Hey, get, get in on that playoff challenge. I'll talk to you again uh, with Dave Gerzak and Mike Paraka next week.